Brother Jalen, Brother Jalen gave me a, uh, a book this week, and I found a, a, a little article or, or uh, chapter I wanted to read, not the whole chapter, but a, a paragraph here, to help, this kind of really puts into perspective what we've been trying to teach and what we've been uh, talking about, even from the very beginning of the year, about our worship, and, and help us understand this. How many of y'all know we are molded by what we've seen throughout the years? You know, I, some people like quiet worship. Some people uh, uh, think that's boring and they like energetic and loud because it's what they've experienced. It's what they've experienced. Listen, the preachers I grew up with, they were foaming at the mouth in the introduction. You with me? And then there's others that had more teacher type, monotone, low key. So they think if they go to the ones that I grew up with, they're mad at everybody. But it's just their experience. It's what they've but sometimes, sometimes our experience can teach us wrong habits and give us a wrong perception of what worship is supposed to be. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And I need y'all to trust me. How many of y'all trust me? How many of you are trying? Now y'all know I've done some crazy stuff around here. Coming in with, with, with looking like a boxer with boxer shorts to the theme of Rocky, that's crazy. Say amen. I still don't believe I got away with that one. Amen. Come in as a rat. We've done all kind of stuff to try to do our best. And, and you're going to have to trust me this year. When it comes to Easter, I need you to trust me. Okay? Say amen. amen. Y'all looking nervous already. It's, just trust me. Here, let me explain it this way. Performance-driven worship. Performance-driven worship often results from faulty understanding of our roles in worship. Danish theologian Soren Kierkegaard said this, a worship model, it, it, it compares worship to a drama. How many of y'all been to a drama? Yeah. A play. They put on a drama, put on a story. He compares worship to a drama in which the worship leaders, it's all these guys up here, they serve as actors and God is the prompter giving them the cues to, the, to these guys, instructing them what to do next. And the congregation takes on the role of audience. You come watch what God tells these guys to do. You become the audience. But when you become the audience, you also become the critic and the judge. Well, the choir really wasn't on today. I'm not sure about that song selection this morning. Y'all with me? And so, so we get geared in our head that you're coming to watch what God told them to do. And that's totally wrong. Totally wrong. Watch this. This is so good. I'm glad somebody could put it the way I was, I was thinking it. The congregation takes on the role of audience or most often a panel of judges. The problem with this model is we are in the wrong roles. In biblical worship, watch this guys. In biblical worship, those seated in our congregations are the actors. All this time, y'all didn't even realize you was the choir. You're the choir. You, watch, watch, watch. It gets better. The persons leading worship are the prompters. Now watch. And God becomes the audience. Watch, well, ho, 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 ho. 
He becomes the audience of one. In so many churches, in so many churches, this is the audience. And we think that this crowd is here to minister to us so we can feel better about our week and go tackle another week. And that's totally wrong. We're coming. In other words, all of y'all are up here. And the only one out there is the Lord. Does that make sense? And, And these guys are leading the choir to sing to the Lord. I got God bumps on my, my arm right now, a hog could bite right now. Boy, if, this, if we would just change our mentality. And by the way, I'm proud of you guys. I could hear y'all this morning. Don't you feel God in this place? Church, say amen. Grab your Bibles. Grab your Bibles. Turn to 1 Chronicles uh, chapter, chapter number 16. 1 Chronicles chapter number 16. Now this is the deal. This is where you got to trust me. I'm going to explain to you what we're doing on Easter. <clears throat> and, and, and when the choir gets to their place, I, I'll, I'll, I'll begin the explanation. We've never done it this way. <clears throat> Brother Jalen's nervous. <clears throat> Not really. I'm more nervous than he is. But this is what we're going to do. Most years, most years, we... Uh, we try to get a list of volunteers. You know, we try to recruit and we beg and we plead and we, we do everything we can to say, will you help us? We need, we need soldiers and we need, we need townspeople. We need, uh, we need to find a Jesus somewhere. Amen. We, we need all these people to make, make this thing happen. Because you got to have, how many of y'all know you got to have volunteers to make a service happen? Y'all with me? Uh, now, here, here's, the, here's the way this is going to work this year. Here's the way this is going to work this year. Uh, look at your neighbor. <clears throat> look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, he needs all of us this year. <clears throat> y- y'all didn't say that with feeling, I can tell. <laughs> y'all said that with nervousness, I can tell right now. Because I know what you're thinking, you're thinking, what is he going to need us to do? <laughs> Go ahead and look at your neighbor say, he needs all of us this year. All right, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. Look at me now. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Brother Jalen has come up. Brother Jalen has come up with, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. Five songs. Five songs. Okay. Today, today, I'm swearing all of y'all in to the choir. Raise your right hand. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not sure how Jalen does that. He had to figure that out later, but you're, you're all in the choir. You are all in the Easter choir, okay? We are all going to make this happen. You are bringing your friends. You're bringing your loved ones. You're bringing the lost people that you know. You're bringing the unchurched people you know. And what they're going to do, they're going to come in here and experience the, listen, Coleman's largest choir. Singing to their king singing to their God. Listen, we're going to have some of them up here, but most of them out here. And what's going to happen is we're all the choir this Easter. 
We're all going to make it happen. We're all part of it. So you don't even have to sign up. I'm putting you on it. <clears throat> Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now, the only way we're going to make this happen and make it happen right is we got to practice. We got to practice. Now, now I know, I know uh, uh, that if I said we're going to practice on Sunday evening, some of y'all wouldn't show up. So we're going to practice on Sunday mornings. For the next, how many, Brother Jalen, four Sundays, three Sundays? For the next however many Sundays, it's going to be a choir rehearsal. Every Sunday. Every Sunday, just come get ready. Just come get ready. We're going to learn these songs. And matter, matter of fact, uh, the list of songs, the list of songs is at 411. So stop by, pick them up. You can check them out on YouTube or the link. They got links. However all that stuff works. What's this little square box? What do you do with that? Scan it. Yes, scan that square box. And he said it'll take you somewhere. All right. And you can get, you can get these songs right here. All right. Now here's the songs. Here's what we're going to do. All because of Jesus, I'm alive. Casting crowns. Worthy is the Lamb, Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. Jesus saves, Travis Cottrell. And that one will bless your socks off. I'm going to tell you that right now. Uh, because he lives, David Crowder. Y'all know we had to have some Crowder in there, amen? And mighty to save, Hillsong. You got to get these and learn them. We're going to be practicing. Come ready. Don't lay out of church now. Don't lay out of church. Don't say, oh, they're going to be practicing. I ain't I'm still preaching. <clears throat> We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna practice. We, and you, I know what you're thinking. Well, we're supposed to come and worship. Have y'all ever been to some of their practices? You ought to come sometime. Sometimes they get so excited in the song, they just break out and worship and get excited and jacked up. And it's, that's the way it's going. And Nicky Joe, am I exaggerating this a bit? Not a bit. Listen, so it's going to be exciting. Say, how's that all going to work? We'll tell you in about three weeks. <clears throat> We've never done this before. I don't know of a church that's ever used their Sunday mornings as rehearsals to get ready. But guess what? You know what that tells us? Every member of this church is so caring about the loss that's going to show up on Easter that they're going to come and use their time and get ready to make it the greatest Easter we've ever had. Can we give God praise and glory? So, you cannot miss. You cannot miss. You cannot say that with me. You cannot miss. We have to have you here because you have to learn these songs because you have to be singing loud because God is going to be the audience. He's going to be the audience. That's who we're singing to. We're not singing to the lost people. The lost people are going to see us singing to our king and they're going to want to get in on what we're doing. Say amen. All right, here we go. Here we go. Let me get my eyes on. All right. Uh, First Chronicles chapter 16. We're, we're, we're still in our instructions in worship uh, series. Look what it says in verse 7. When you get there, say amen. amen. Then on that day, David delivered first this psalm to thank the Lord into the hand of Asaph and his brethren. Now watch what he says. Give, everybody, give unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Then verse 9. Sing unto him. Say it with me. Sing unto him. Sing psalms unto him. Talk ye of all his wondrous works. Then we'll, then we'll read verse 10. Glory ye in his holy name. Say it again. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Now skip down to verse 24. I've got to save a little time because I've used up some of it. Verse number 24. When you get there, say amen. amen. Declare his glory. Among the heathen, 
Declare his glory among the heathen. Now, don't take offense at that word heathen. The word heathen is not meaning they're necessarily a bad person. They they are an unbeliever. They don't know Jesus yet. They don't know God. They they are not acquainted. They don't have a relationship with God. Are y'all with me? So what are we to do? Declare. The word declare means to make plain. It means to to manifest. Are y'all with me? Declare, to make known, to communicate plainly. What are we to communicate plainly? The glory of God to the unbeliever. Y'all with me? Declare the glory, his glory among the heathen, his marvelous works among all nations. Why? For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He also is to be feared above all gods, little g. For all the gods, little g, of the people are what? Idols. Nothing to them. But the Lord made the heavens. Glory and honor are in his presence. Strength and gladness are in his place. Give unto the Lord, ye kindreds of all the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord. Here it is. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his. Bring an offering. Come before him. And worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Woo. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege and the honor it is to be here. I, I'm so excited, Lord. I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know it's going to be great because you are a great God and greatly to be praised. I pray that you'll help us now. Move in this place. Help me to teach and, 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 and educate and edify and lift up your people today. God, I pray that without a doubt, without a doubt, Lord, we pray that you get all the glory. And Lord, we'll praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You may be seated. The glory of God. What are we to do when we come into this house to worship? So far, we've learned we're to give thanks. How many of y'all can see that? Say amen. amen. We're to be thankful. Give thanks, be thankful, be grateful, understand the goodness of God and what God's done for us. And then then we say when we come in here, we're here to sing. We're here to sing. We're not here to watch. We're not here to spectate. Uh, We're not here to watch somebody else do their thing. We are here to sing. We have an audience of one. We are all in the choir. We are all worshipers singing to an audience of one, Jesus Christ the King. Say amen. But then today, I want to I talk to you a little while on the subject, the glory of God. The glory of God. The only way that I can do this justice, the only way that I can do this justice, we got to go back. We got we, we, we to study about the glory of God, about what God thinks about his glory. Not only that, but go all the way back to find our reason for being. Our reason, the purpose of our existence how many of y'all know you can go to Barnes and Noble or go to Books a Million up here and there, there are rows and rows of books that try to tell you what the purpose of life is. And this is, this is which is, is just crazy to me. I don't understand how somebody who believes you came from a monkey can figure out what the purpose of life is. Are y'all with me? You, you don't need all that junk. God tells us what our purpose is. God tells us why we were created. God tells us in his word. So let's do that. I want to first, I want to I give a reason, if you will, uh, maybe understanding because you really can't fulfill your purpose until you understand what it is. Can we say amen? amen. 
uh, I, it's, it's, it's like, I, I hate to always use this illustration, but it's what's familiar to me and it's what I understand. Uh, I, I, I had a, 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 a puppy that I wanted to get started and some people believe it's just let them run loose and they'll, they'll start on their own. And I had a wise, wise man tell me one time, no, 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 no. He said he'll run deer and he'll run possum and he'll run armadillo and he'll run rabbits and he'll run everything but what you want him to do. He says, start him out only on what you want him to run. And so he will understand his purpose. He cannot fulfill his purpose till he understands you're not a hog dog, you're not a deer dog. You sure ain't no coyote dog, you a coon dog. Are y'all with me? And I'm afraid we come to the house of God all the time and we don't even know our purpose. We think we come so they can help us. We think we come so the singers can sing and use their gift so we can feel better and excite us and we can go out and fight. No, 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 no. None of this worship is for us. None of this worship, none of this worship is directed to us. It is not for us. Do we get blessed by it? Amen. Amen. When they were singing that song about Jesus' name a while ago, I'm telling you, I was fired up from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. It done something for me, but it wasn't for me. We were singing about Jesus. It was for the king. Are y'all with me? And so let's understand this. What is our purpose? Why were we created? Two, two, two things I want you to see. First is the heavens and then humanity. What, what is our purpose? What is our purpose? What is the purpose of creation? Look what it says, Psalms 19. <clears throat> How many of y'all believe God created everything? Amen. How many of y'all believe he created the stars and the moon and the sun and, 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 the, and the clouds and, and the galaxies and the planets and all that? How many of y'all know that? We, amen? Uh, now, now, it says Psalm 19. Let me, let me go back. Let me go back to 1 Chronicles 16, 24, and then we'll, we'll get to this verse. Uh, First Chronicles 16, 24 says, declare his glory among the heathen. Declare his glory among the heathen. There's that word I want you to see, declare. Declare to make plain, to speak of, to manifest. Are y'all with me? To communicate plainly. Say that with me. To communicate plainly. All right? Now, watch what Psalm 19, 1 says. The heavens, the heavens, what's that word? Declare. So let's put the let's put the def- definition to that word. The heavens make known and communicate clearly the glory of God. Y'all getting it? When you look up at the stars and you look up at the sun and the moon and, and you look at the sky and you ever see a pretty sunrise. I, I, grew, up, I grew up on the East Coast and, 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 and man, there's nothing like being there and, and watching the sun come up across that ocean. Good night in the morning. There's nothing like seeing a beautiful sunset. There's nothing like seeing all of the majestic creation of God. And you know what? When that sun's coming up and it's peeking its head above those waters and those rays are shining everywhere, you know what that sun is saying? Behold your God. Listen, that moon, as bright as it is, full moon last night, full moon last night, it's shining and it's bright. And man, I couldn't help but stand there and look up at the moon and the moon is declaring to me, the moon is communicating plainly that we have a God and this God is awesome and this God is powerful and this God is mighty. The heavens declare the glory of God every time. 
every time. The Bible says day unto day uttereth speech, night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. I don't care where on the planet you are. I don't care what dialect you speak. I don't care what language you speak. When you look up and you see that bright sun, when you look up and you see the heavens and the glory of all his creation, you understand the language saying, behold our God. Does that make sense? Look, it says in Romans, in Romans 1.19, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. Where did God show all of the heathen, all of the unsaved, all of the unbelievers? Where has he showed it? It says, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. What's that mean? You look up and you see it. There's a God. You see, there are people that believe in evolution and there's people that believe the truth. <clears throat> and they're, they're both, now listen, they're both a religion. Evolutionists say we're, we're not religious. Yes, you are. Yeah, 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 you, yeah, you are. You are. You are placing faith in something. As a Bible believer, as a child of God, as a Christian, I am placing my faith in a creator. And as an evolutionist, you are placing your faith in chance. It just happened. Well, I would rather have my faith than your faith. Your faith is equivalent to this. You take a Swiss watch and you take the back off of it and you take all the springs and all the workings and all those small teeny tiny metal parts out of that thing, wrap it up in a napkin, put it in a dryer, turn the dryer on, and all of a sudden, a watch is going to pop out. That's what your faith is. Your faith is completely in chance, but it is your faith. And that is what you are placing your faith in. That is what you're believing in. It is a religion. Don't tell me I'm religious and you're not. You are religious too. Your faith is in something different than mine. But all I've got to do is look up and see the moon and see the stars and see the planets and see the sunrise and see the sunset and see that, hey, there is a God. Why? Because they are declaring the glory of God, the majesty of God, the magnificence and the excellence of God. They're declaring it. And I can plainly see it. Y'all with me? That's why God created them. Now watch. God has a purpose for the heavens. What are they? To declare his glory. To declare his glory. But watch, he's got, he's got a purpose for humanity. He's got a purpose for humanity. <clears throat> Isaiah 43. Look what it says, Isaiah 43. <clears throat> okay, all right, here we go, here we go. Y'all ready? I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from far and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Watch this. Even everyone that is called by my name. Now here, here's God's definition. Take all those books back that try to tell you about the purpose of life because this is God tells you right here. For I have created him for my glory. I have formed him. Yea, I have made him. Amen. I 
made humanity for my glory. All right, look at this verse. Revelation, Revelation. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory. <laughs> you're worthy, in other words, you're worthy to receive it. Where's he going to receive it from? Us. To receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things. Thou hast created all things. And for thy they are and were created. In other words, there are people running around that think that God is for you. I'm glad God's on my side. No, we're on his side. God created us for him, not the other way around. And you say, what is the big deal about that? Because our mentality and our understanding affects how we treat him. We treat God like he's this side thing that we have just in case of an emergency. He's a spare tire. He's that can of fixer flat we need. We don't ever think about it and we don't ever look for it till we have a problem. But God should be the steering wheel. God should be the ignition key. God should be everything to us. Because we were made for him. God, God, God is so, God is so, and most, most people in America, because we're spoiled rotten. We're spoiled rotten. And we don't even think about God till we have to have him. When God should be the center of our being, the center of our life. Let me tell you what God gets from most of us, leftovers. He gets leftover time. He gets leftover money. He gets leftover effort, leftover energy. Well, I just don't have time to go up that church. And I, 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 you know why? Because he's not priority in your life. We were created to bring him glory. Bottom line. God made, you say, well, I'm a plumber, I'm a preacher, I'm a singer, I'm a, I'm a, 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 a truck driver, or I'm a businessman, I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, I dig ditches, I build houses, I, all of that secondary. Your primary purpose for breathing air is to bring glory and honor to God to make that easy to understand. For me, this is how I think. I'm sorry, but I'm very elementary. Basically, I was put on this earth to make him look good. I was put on earth to make him look good. I, 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 was, I was with uh, uh, Steve Humphreys last night and we were driving down the road and, 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 and y'all, know how, y'all know how there's two lanes and this one lane goes into this lane and it was like, it was like crowding. Well, my truck was a little slower because I was pulling a trailer and, and these cars were coming and, 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 and I, let, I just moved over so they could get on by because I know I was a little slower and I don't want somebody slow holding me up and this one car just stayed right there. I said, son, I'm going to have to get over now. I'm going to have to get over. I don't know. You better speed up or slow down one or the other. I got to get over. I got, Hey! And I got to thinking. I looked at Steve and I said, man, I got to preach tomorrow and give God glory. I don't think I'm making him look good right now. <laughs> Are y'all with me? We're to bring him glory at work. We're to bring him glory at the schoolhouse. We're to bring him glory in the schoolhouse. We're to bring him glory at the market. Are we living our lives in a way that makes him look good? When we're up here on this platform, when we're singing, we're not here for our glory. We're here for his glory. When we do what we do, is it making him look good or is it making us look good? 
Because you wasn't put here for you. You was put here for him. Now, does everybody understand our purpose? We were created for his glory. We were created to bring him glory. All right, now watch this. We're to bring God glory. Ephesians 1.11. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose. Say that word with me. To the of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. So you see two words here, purpose and will. What is his purpose and will for us? Verse 12, that we, born again believers, we should be to the of what? His glory. We should live our lives so that when the unchurched, the unbelievers see us, they say, wow, your God's awesome. But I'm afraid that's not what's happening. Especially on Sunday. After church. When all the Christians go to eat. If you don't believe me, talk to a waitress or a waiter. They hate you. Because that's when people don't tip. That's when people are the rudest. You know, right when they come out of church from glorifying God. You mean to tell you how to glorify God? Be kind and nice and let sugar drip off of your lips. And whether it was good or not, tip them because they may be having a bad day and be a blessing to them. And they're going to think, I wasn't that good a waiter, but they tipped me good. What's that all about? They were good to me regardless. Well, I'm going to get what I pay for. Stay home then. Go on Thursday. You're not, you're not here. It's not about you. It's about God and glorifying God in our circumstances, glorifying God in our, in our bad times. Amen. First Corinthians 10, 31, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do on Sunday at Shoney's, do all, do all. To the, in other words, everything you do, make God look good. Are you showing patience? Are you showing love and kindness and mercy? They're not going to see you. They're going to see God in you. They're going to wonder why they were rude to you and yet you were kind to them. They're going to wonder, well, what's up with that? Do you see? All right. 1 Corinthians 6, 20. Well, I'll do what I want to do. No, you can't no more. You don't belong to you no more. 1 Corinthians 6, 20. Watch this. 1 Corinthians 6, 20. For ye are bought with a price. Ye are bought with a price. See, you can't can't live your own life no more. Well, it's just the way I am. Bless God. Well, if you're saved, you're not yours no more. You know what it's like? It's like like me selling uh, Brother Montgomery a truck and telling him how to run it. Hey, 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 about time to wash that truck. Well, I don't have no say in it no more. It's his. He can run it off in a ditch and turn it upside down and catch it on fire. It's his. Here we ask God to save us and we ask God to use his own blood to wash our sin away and pay the price for our salvation and we go to heaven. But then we don't want him telling us what to do or what belongs to him. We bring him glory. Because of creation, right? He say, he made us. He made us for the purpose of bringing him glory, but not only that, he bought us for it. 
He bought us to bring Him glory. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which belong to So we have, a, we have an obligation. That's why it says give him the glory due. I owe him glory because he made me, but also because he saved me. That's why I come in here and sing. That's why I come in here and sing. Because I owe it to him. Well, I, don't, I don't like doing that. That's, that's irrelevant. If you're saved... And a child of God, you have to come in here. No, 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 let me change that. I get to do this. I get to come in here and thank him. I get to come in here and sing. I get to come in here and bring glory and honor to him and praise his holy name. That's our purpose. That's your soul. Now watch, guys. This is your soul purpose for existence. This is the reason that God still lets you have oxygen to breathe as goofy of you men. Let me, let me, I know some of y'all got mad right there. Now, how many of you will admit from the time we've been saved, we've gotten crazy on God before? How many of y'all know that God has every right and every, every right to just snuff us out of existence? But he doesn't. You know why? Because he wants to get glory from you. Church, say amen. All right, number two, number two, quickly, quickly, quickly. Y'all are not listening near fast enough. Number two, ooh, number two, look at this. Watch how God operates. We see a pattern of activity. Number two, a pattern of activity. Watch how God operates. This is how God does. <clears throat> For ye see your calling, 1 Corinthians 1, 26. For ye see your calling, brethren, How that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty and not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. That's what I want to tell that lady who says she wasn't coming to temple because I don't talk right. <clears throat> Honey, God chose me. And listen, he didn't choose me because I got it all together. Because that's obvious. It's obvious I don't have it all together. It's obvious I'm a backwoods, shy, coon-hunting, redneck preacher who's building a church to the glory of God. Whoa, ho, 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 ho. You know why God did that? Because nobody can say, look at him. This is what we can go around Coleman saying. In spite of him, God doing it. And before you think you're something, in spite of you too. 
When a pastor's been there more than three years and I've been here 18, going on 19, everybody becomes just like their pastor or I attract what I am, so you is redneck too. Yes. Now watch. Does this make sense? You know why? Because nobody in Coma is going to say, Boy, I tell you, I tell you, look at that church. Look at those people. Look how, look how organized and look how talented and look how... All, no, 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 they're going to say, what in the world's going on over there? I, I, I put some illustrations. How about David and Goliath? David and Goliath, he's got this big giant down here, nine and a half foot tall. He's been a man of war since his youth. He's there. He's bad and he's ugly. I mean, he's mean. Everybody in the world's scared of him. And you got this little lad... Who comes into the camp and says, I'll deal with him. And he goes and gets five smooth stones. You know why? Goliath had four brothers. He said, I got some for y'all too if y'all want some of this. And y'all know what happened? Long story short, the little guy killed the big guy. But it wasn't because he was such a good rock slinger. It had nothing to do with his skills. David said it best. He said when he came down in that valley, Goliath was cussing. He was raising Cain. He was doing all his thing. He was threatening. He was challenging. He said, give me a man. Am I a dog that you send a lad out to fight me? And David said this. Let me tell you something, big boy. In this day, when this day is over, you're going to be on the ground, and everybody on that hill, everybody on that hill is going to know there's a God in Israel. God used a lad so that nobody could get credit but him. God does not want any flesh to get glory. Nobody can take credit. God wants all the glory. Why do you think, why do you think that Gideon, Gideon had an army. He's going to face the Midianites. The Midianites, they look like grasshoppers. There's so many of them a horde of, of, of soldiers, an enemy army. And God starts, he says, you know what? You're not quite ready for this, Gideon. Uh, we, you got way too many. And Gideon's saying, what? Have you looked over that hill? How many's out there? And you know what God did? God whittled him down to 300. Yeah. And God says, that's how to do it. And you know what? They would. You know why? God made it where nobody could get the credit but him. Y'all with me? I hope y'all are getting this. Do you know what the Bible says? Do you know what the Bible says about the disciples? You know what the Bible says about disciples? It says they turned the world upside down. They were so productive. They were so effective. They were so powerful in their witnessing, in their preaching, in their teaching, in their ministry. They literally turned the world upside down. But do you know what it says about them? They perceived that they were ignorant and unlearned men. Why did God used ignorant and unlearned men. Peter, who couldn't watch his mouth, had a dirty mouth. He's a sailor. And he used him to turn the world upside down. 
They perceived that they were ignorant and unlearned men, but they took knowledge and they took note that they had been with Jesus. You know why? He's not going to let Peter get no glory. He's not going to let John get no glory. He's not going to let Matthew get no glory. He's not going to No, no, no. He picked people nobody else would pick. He picked the base things of this world, the simple things of this world. That's what God chooses and that's what God anoints. But there's a reason for that. So no, let me read it, let me read it. So no flesh, no flesh. Verse 29, 1 Corinthians 1, 29, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Watch this, guys. This is so important. This will lead us into the last one. 1 Peter 4, 10. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another. In other words, your gift is not for you. Your gift is for the one sitting beside you. An apple tree don't eat its own fruit. An apple tree blesses those who walk under its branches. Your gift is not for you. Your gift didn't come because you're a good person. Watch. As every man hath received the gift. If you got one, somebody gave it to you. Let me say it again because y'all are not getting this. If you have a gift, somebody gave it to you. Even so, minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Where did you get your gift from? The grace of God. You know what? God has to constantly warn his people, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. This, this is for preachers, this is for singers, this is for deacons, this is for elders, this is for church. It, just, it don't matter. Because we have a tendency when God starts blessing us to start and happen a, 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 a brain spasm and think, okay, we're something. No, we're not. We never were anything. Whatever we have, it's by the grace of God. Watch this, watch this. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth. In other words, this all come from God. Why? Why? That God in all things may be glorified. Whenever you get to thinking it's about you, you're going to miss that. But if you keep in mind and you understand every day of your life that you wake up, that God gave you air, God gave you health, God gave you gifts, God gave you whatever you have, God gave it to you and he expects you to use it for his glory. glory. Not yours. Man, preachers get arrogant. We get to thinking we're something. And we forget we're here to give him glory. Singers are the same way. Good teachers are the same way. Any gifted people is the same way. You know why? Because it's the struggle we have. It's the humanity in the flesh we live in. It is our carnal nature. But we better remember every day of our life, whatever we have, God gave it to us. And here's the thing. If God gave it to you, he can take it away. Let me, let me, let me close with this. Number three. I want you to look at the peril of Robbery. We, we, the first thing we talked about was the purpose of our existence. Without a doubt, no questions. There, there's no way to miss this. There's no way to miss this. We're here to bring God glory. God created us to bring Him glory. We are to live our life every day of our life, every situation of our life, in all things to bring Him glory. 
Then we, we saw how God operates and how he, he does things. He, we, we see it with uh, David and Goliath. We see it with Gideon and the 300. We see it with the ignorant and unlearned disciples. God always picks things that when it does happen, they can't take credit for it. They cannot throw their thumbs in their lapel and say, look at me. That no flesh had glory in his presence. Then it says this. Then it says this. This is how serious God is about it. Now this scared me. This scared me. When I started, when I started reading this, because sometimes we forget that God is a God of justice and righteous indignation. And that he is serious. And there is one thing in God's word over and over and over and over and over and over. You see it again. That he is serious about his own glory. He does not want anybody or anything stealing his glory. Let me, let me give you a verse. Isaiah 42, 8. Isaiah 42, 8. I am the Lord, that is my name. And my glory will I not give. Isaiah 48, 11. Isaiah 48, 11. For mine own sake, even for mine own sake will I do it. For how should my name be polluted? And I will not give my glory unto another. God is patient with a lot of stuff. God is forbearing and long-suffering with a lot of stuff. But not when it comes to his glory. Here's a couple examples. I don't have the time, I wanted to have the time to read throughout all of these. But if you'll go and read Daniel 5, 18 through 30, you'll read about two individuals. One is Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar. Nebuchadnezzar was the king that God allowed to come in and conquer Jerusalem and take, take the children of Israel captive. There came a day when King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon said, Hey, I'm awesome. Look at my glory. Look at my kingdom. Look at my riches. Look at my power. And God's sitting up here like, really? I'm the one to let you have it. So God says, okay. He drove Nebuchadnezzar out of the palace, out of the kingdom, into the wilderness, and his hair grew out like eagle's feathers. His claws, his fingernails came out like animal claws, and he ate grass like an oxen. And he lived in the wilderness till God humbled him, and God broke him. And then when he was humbled, God let him come back. You know what he did? He said, there ain't no God but that God. Hey, 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 y'all better act like somebody. He's great and I'm not. And his son did not learn. His son, Belshazzar or Belshazzar, however you want to say it. He was arrogant. He was cocky. There came a time he was partying up with all his wives and his concubines and his princes and all his important people. And he got so arrogant to go and he took the golden vessels that his father had taken out of the temple in Jerusalem. And in their party, they brought in those gold and silver vessels out of the temple and they begin to drink. And they, then they begin, here's the thing, then they begin to praise the gods of gold and silver and wood and stone. When all of a sudden a man's hand and his finger began to write on the wall. 
I want to, I want to turn there real quick. I, I know I don't have time, but we got to do this. We got to do this. And Daniel, you, you just let me let me turn there real quick. <clears throat> Daniel chapter five. Daniel was brought in to interpret this writing. It says in Daniel 5, verse 22, And thou, his son, O Belshazzar, hast not humbled thine heart, though thou knewest all of them. In other words, you knew about everything that happened with your daddy. But hast lifted up thy, thyself against the Lord of heaven, and they have brought the vessels of this house before thee, and thou and thy lords and thy wives and thy concubines have drunk wine in them, and thou hast praised the gods of silver and of gold and of brass, iron, wood, and stone, which see not, nor hear, nor know, and the God in whose hand thy breath is, and whose are all thy ways, hast thou not glorified? Hast thou not glorified? Then was the part of the hand was sent to him in the writing. Meany, meany, tico, you farson. This is the interpretation of the thing. Meany, God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Tico, thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting. Perez, the kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then commanded Belshazzar and they clothed Daniel with scarlet, put a chain of gold upon his neck, made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. In that night was Belshazzar, the king of Chaldeans, slain. God killed him because he did not bring him glory. Then we read about Herod, Acts chapter number 12. Trust me when, 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 I, when I say this. We had the privilege to go to Israel and, and we got to see here at Caesarea the palace and the Hippodrome. We stood there. We stood in it. It was made by his grandfather, Herod the Great. This is Herod, Herod Agrippa. And in Acts chapter number 12, he comes out, and according to historian Josephus, he is wearing a garment, a royal garment made completely out of silver. How many of y'all know silver is real shiny? He walks into that hippodrome where we got to stand and look. And he began to give an oration, he began to give a speech, and this speech was like none other. And I mean, dude was giving a speech, and the way the sun was shining, because it's right on the beach. I mean, you're standing in the Hippodrome, this big uh, 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 auditorium, and you see the ocean there and the sun reflecting off the ocean sun. Now it's reflecting off of his silver garment. And he's literally glowing. And the people begin to shout, He's a God! He's a God! He's a God! And Herod is just basking in his glory. And God killed him. According to Josephus, Acts chapter 12 says that God, an angel struck him and worms ate his flesh. According to historian Josephus, he was in extreme utter pain for five days before he died. You know why? Because he was robbing God of his glory. Now I know what you're thinking. Oh, that's just two heathens. Those are two, those are two unbelievers. Those are two heathens. What, what, is, what does that have to do? How about, how about Ananias and Sapphira? In the early church, in the early New Testament, I think this is chapter 5 or 4. I think chapter 5 of Acts. There was a couple. God began to move in the early church. God began to move in the early church and people would take property and sell it. 
and bring the money to the church to help the poor and help uh, the needs of those around them. Now stay with me, guys. I know I'm going long, but listen, wake up, pinch your neighbor, look at me, look at me. This is so important. Ananias and Sapphira sold a property and they came and they said, hey, we sold it for this much. But they didn't. They held back some of the money. They were wanting all of the congregation, all of the church to think they had given all of it. In other words, they were doing it so they could say, look at And God killed both of them. So, oh, but they, they lied to the Holy Spirit. They were robbing God. Are you, you really that delusional? Do you think God needed their money? God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. You don't give today. You don't give today because God's broke and he needs your help. Because what you have in your pocket, God gave you. They were not, God wasn't tore up that they cheated him some money. God was angry because they were stealing his glory. What's the point? And I'm going to talk to all the people up here. It's a very dangerous thing to step into a place and not understand the seriousness of giving God all the glory. God convicted me so bad. I, I, I see things in myself, things that I would say or do that would say, hey, look at me. Oh, that's such a dangerous place to be. That no flesh should glory in his presence. When the unchurched and the unbelievers come into this place, no, they should never leave and say, man, I tell you what. Them singers are something else. Boy, I tell you, them musicians are something else. Boy, I tell you what, that preacher, and, no. They should leave and say, wow. What a God. If, if we so get in the way that they cannot see God through our performance, we failed. We failed. There was no greater man born of woman than John Baptist. And when they came and said, hey, your people are following him, talking about Jesus, you know what John said? He must increase, but I must Guys, let's be careful. In everything we do, in every song we sing, in every message we preach, in every step of our behavior outside of these walls, we have to be careful to give him all the glory. God will share his home. He will share his love. He will share his provision. He will share his home but he will not share his glory. Amen? Dear Heavenly Father, help us now. Help us to understand the 